This is the Sideline Slice, presented by Valentino's Pizza, the official pizza of the Huskers. Here's your host, Jessica Cootie, and Huskers Radio Network analyst, Jeremiah Searles. Welcome back into another edition of the Sideline Slice with Jeremiah Searles. I'm Jessica Cootie, and coming off the bye week, a big one coming up on Saturday as number 17, Illinois, coming to Memorial Stadium. 2.30 kickoff. How about that? Number 17, Illinois. It's been a while since Illinois was in the top 25, and it's a good football team coming in here. The football world is borderline backwards right now. You know, I got like it's even in college football the same as it is in the NFL. You know, you've got Illinois ranked, you've got Purdue up there now. Like teams that you used to just be like, oh, that's a win, that's a win. But then you look at the NFL too, it's like we live in a world where the Jets are better than the Green Bay Packers. Like in the Giants are somehow in the mix. It's just a wild time in football. But I love it. You know, it's kind of a changing of the guard. But again, huge test this week against a team that's playing really good football and a team that's going to come in here and physically want to beat you. That's what Illinois does. That's what Brett Bilma teams do is physically they want to get after you. So Huskers coming off a bye week, a little rested up, a little recharged. I expect big things out of them this weekend. I think it's going to be fascinating to see the chess moves between the coaching staffs, being that both teams are coming off bye weeks and have, having extra time to prepare for this one because – I mean, obviously, it was, a, it was a crazy game last year and could have gone either way. And then Mickey Joseph, they, they looked good coming off the bye week going into Indiana. So they obviously, you know, have some game planning. And, and I know that uh, Bill Bush, Mark Whipple, a lot of the coaching staff went out to recruit, but those two stayed back to game plan. So it's going to be fascinating to see what chess moves are made between these two coaching staffs. Yeah, you know, and it adds just an extra week for the players to get even more comfortable with the changes that Mickey's already made, right? How they practice, when they practice, the little little nuanced things that are starting to become more normal for them throughout the week. It just gives them another opportunity to get better for that. But again, this is going to be the first quarter is going to be kind of a coin flip as far as like who's coming out with the wrinkle, who has something different. Is it Illinois? Is it us? Or does Illinois just say, hey, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Stay with what they do. And if Nebraska comes out with some different stuff, some flash, I wouldn't be surprised if you see a trick play on either side of Illinois or Nebraska early in the game to try and test some things. So it'll be really fun. It's going to be a great environment, great atmosphere, two really football teams that are hungry for wins. Illinois is really hungry to just continue to go try and win the West here. Nebraska trying to get themselves back in the conversation because the West is wide open. <laughs> you know, so like there, there's all kinds of ramifications that are implied in this game. It's going to be super fun on Saturday. Yeah, Illinois coming in 6-1, six, 3-1 six and one, three and one in conference play, so on top of the Big Ten West standings, but it's all jumbled up. I mean, it is still anybody's ball game. It's still a lot of football left to be played and anybody's game, and so it's who's going to go take it. Uh, when you talk about Illinois, though, you got to start with the defense. Number one not in the Big Ten, not just in the Big Ten, but also in the nation, in scoring defense and total defense. What have you seen out of the Illini defensively? Well, I mean, they're holding opponents to less than like nine points a game. Yeah. I mean, if, you're, if you're holding opponents to single digits, you're, you're going to win a ton of football games. You know, I think last week we were talking about, hey, Purdue and Nebraska, it's going to be a race to 30, right? Like, and it ended up being almost a race to 40. With this game, it might be, it might be, we might only score 21, and that would be really good against this defense. You know, so when you talk about Illinois' defense, the number one thing that I look at is their third down percentage. They're only allowing teams to convert 26% on third down, which is a, I mean, that's a very good percentage to live in. You know, I think Nebraska's offense has been fairly good when we get ourselves in third and manageable, but I think the number one thing that this Illinois defense is going to do is try and get us behind the sticks. 
push us into third and eight and third and nine and third and ten into those obvious passing situations where they can pin their ears back and come after you because that's what they want to do. You know, so first and second down for the Husker offense this week is going to be extremely and critically important so that we can avoid that. But, I mean, Illinois' defense, they're physical, they fly around to the football, and they're ball hawks too. So last, uh, last game against Purdue, they saw something that they felt like Trey Palmer could really, they could really take advantage of the matchup with Trey Palmer, and they did that, obviously. And so uh, did, have you studied much in the secondary, Illinois secondary, that that could be a matchup that the Huskers take advantage of again? And or do you think maybe this, now teams are going to start trying to take Trey Palmer out of this? You know what I think Illinois is going to do um, watching them, I think that they're going to play more shell coverage on the back end and try and say, hey, run the football on us. You know, I know we have Anthony Grant, who's a fantastic talent, but I think that they're going to say, hey, front five, right? Their D linemen, their linebacking core, front six. They're say, hey, we're not going to have safeties down and run support for you. We're going to bracket over there, over Trey Palmer. We're going to leave a deep safety in the middle of the field, and we're going to say, run it at us. You know, give them a favorable box, and then they're just going to say, our guys are better than your guys up front. And that's how you stop Trey Palmer, is you make it so that we are being basically dared to run the football, and then they can stop us. Now, on the flip side of that, Husker offensive line, Husker tight ends got to say, all right, you want to give us favorable boxes, we're going to have Anthony Grant have a field day on the ground. You know, so I think that that's how they're going to try and stop them. They're going to play shell coverage on the back end, and then they're going to really just try and rely on guys on their front seven to win their one-on-one matchups. 23 sacks, 12 interceptions by that Illinois defense. What do you see in, in how they're able to get to the quarterback? Is it anything fancy they're doing? Are they just winning matchups? What have you seen in that regard? You know, it goes back to my first point of their third down conversions. Mm -hmm. They get people in obvious passing situations, and then they let their pass rushers turn loose. You know, I don't think there's any secret sauce to how they're getting to the quarterback. They don't have some super elaborate blitzing plan. You know, what they do is they just line up and they win. And when you're forcing guys to sit back there and hold on to the ball and you don't have to send pressure because they're winning with only four or five, then that allows you to sit back on the end and play um, coverage, you know, which is how you get the interceptions is you have pressure on the quarterback and force him to throw one where he shouldn't. So, you know, there's no secret to it. They're going to challenge our tackles. You know, our tackles the last few weeks have struggled at times with um, Hunter Anthony in there and, and Turner Corcoran moving back out to left. And, you know, they're going to be challenged off the edges. So it's a great, it's a great challenge for these guys to rise to. Um, but I think that how you slow something like down, like we've talked about every week, Jessica, is just getting that quick passing game in rhythm and staying ahead of the sticks. I do, I mean, again, and I've maintained this all season, with a guy like Mark Whipple and then Mickey Joseph and, and the game plan and with the, you know, the weapons that they have offensively, I don't. I know that this is a great defense, but I got to think that this offense is like, all right, you're, you're, here's the number one defense in the nation coming in. We're gonna we're gonna put up some points, or we're gonna try to put up some points. I got to imagine that this offense is is chomping at the bit a little bit to show what they can do against one of the the elite defense in the nation right now. Absolutely, and you know the other piece of it too is when you have a defense that's as elite as they are, and you have an offense that is playing as efficient as Illinois is. You know, you look at the time of possession here and they're averaging almost 35 minutes a game where they're only allowing opponents 25. You know, that's a huge time discrepancy. And I think a lot of that is because their defense is so good that when teams try and come out and like, hey, we're going to go fast against this defense, you can get big three and outs. You know, so if I'm on Mark Whipple and I'm Mickey Joseph, you know, we talk about the trick plays and the wrinkles that they'll put in through the bye week. But the other piece of that is ball control. You know, 
the thing that demoralizes a defense more than anything is first down, second down, third down, first down. First down, like just staying on schedule. It's not the big plays. It's when you go a 13 or a 14 play drive and go down and get points. I think that's the big thing that this offense has to focus on this week is ball control, keeping it away from their offense because it's going to be a limited possessions thing and you cannot go three and out. So I agree with you. I think this offense is really excited to get out there and show what they can do, but it's going to be just one bite at a time. I think they're going to really make us go the length of the field and make us make a mistake. Um, but I think that if we can hit on all cylinders like we did in that Purdue game at times and protect Casey Thompson and get the run game going a little bit more, I don't think this, this defense is just going to be able to completely shut us down. We have way too many weapons. All right, got a fun question for you. So obviously the Huskers have been good out of the locker room. They've scored almost every single opening drive, mm -hmm. right? And it's the scripted plays. We've talked a lot about it here on the podcast. So give me your script of play calls that you would design for this offense coming out of the gate against Illinois. Yeah, you know, as much as this is going to sound like me chewing on glass, I think throwing the ball early <laughs> has been really, really good for us. You know, the quick, I think getting Trey Palmer, Marcus Washington, or even Travis Vokalek started early is key for this offense. Because when you get a receiver that's feeling it early and you get a guy that you feel comfortable with in Casey Thompson getting early, you know, I'm hitting the RPO right away to a Vokalek or a Trey Palmer um, to make those linebackers respect the run you know I'm going right to that then I'm going some quick slant routes as I move down the field and then if we get a first down on first or second I'm taking a shot I'm taking a shot right away and just making those safeties sit back there and go okay we can run by you you know and then I'm getting to the run down I'm ground and pounding them I'm going our inside zone I'm going our outside going I'm going our RPO and if we've thrown it well then they're going to hand the ball off to Grant and allow him to start getting his stuff going. You know, and then as we go, I like the pitch plays where we can get outside, get on the edges, get Grant or Gabe Irvin going out there, get him a break, bring in the Yantinator, let him pound it through the A-gap a few times, make those linebackers start thinking twice about it. And then, again, you just go back to the quick passing game, the hooks, the curls, the deep crosses, hitting guys in rhythm and just staying ahead of the sticks. You know, nowhere in there did I say we're now sitting in third and nine. All those are <laughs> we're going first and ten, second and seven, third and three. You know, staying ahead of the sticks there is going to be extremely important, but it's a mix of everything because when you have as many weapons as we do, when you have Trey Palmer and you have Marcus Washington and you have all these guys that are home run threats anytime they touch the football, you have to get them all involved early because the last thing you want is one of them feeling not involved and then they're not on their game, right? So find a way to spread the ball around, which Casey Thompson's done a great job of, and just continuing to push the envelope and staying on the foot on the gas of not letting them get a beat on what you're doing is going to be really important. Valentino's has been a Nebraska tradition since 1957. Get the Big Red Double Jumbo Deal, two one-topping jumbo pizzas for only $18.79 each. Bye week could not have come at a better time for this team because, I mean, a lot of injuries, a lot of guys beat up, but the depth chart was released today. And Luke Reimer back in that, I don't even know if going into Purdue if they had him listed at the top. of the, He was number one on the depth chart. So I think he's going to play. I think he's going to be good to go. No Nick Henrich. Uh, so Chris Glarvik is uh, number one on the depth chart there at that other inside linebacker spot. Um, so And then also Gabe Irvin did not make the trip to Purdue. So hopefully he's back. I know he was just a little tweak before they went to Purdue, and then Brock Bando didn't make the trip either. So, again, just some guys banged up that hopefully this bye week allowed for them to get back, and so the Huskers will be as close to full strength as they can be. But uh, in terms of containing Chase Brown, just mentioned Luke Reimer. What have you seen out of Chase Brown? The Illinois running back leads the Big Ten. Again, one of the best running backs statistically in the nation. It's going to be a fun matchup between one of the best, or the best wide receiver in Trey Palmer and the best mm -hmm running back in Chase Brown, statistically number one in the Big Ten. 
Yeah, you know, Chase Brown has fantastic vision as he's running through the hole, you know, but he's also a guy that has no problem turning a one-yard gain into four by just putting his head down and running into the pile. And those are the running backs that I disrespect so much. You know, so many times running backs are always looking for the home run hit, and they'll bounce it outside and make a gain of one into a loss of two or whatever. Like, he understands what this offense is, and Brett Bilma has done this with his backs forever and always, which is like, you know, if there's one there, put your head down and make it two, and then eventually those start turning into four, into six, and then those are the things that open up. And he embodies the Brett Bielma style of running the football. He is a physical runner, but he also has the speed to take on the top end, and tackling space is going to be really important this week. You know, Miles Farmer and the DB crew, you have to come up and run support, put your nose in there, and wrap this guy up because he's fantastic on not letting first contact take him to the ground, you know. So getting him on the ground is going to be a big thing. But he's, the be he's one of the best backs in the Big Ten because of his vision, his athleticism, and he's a whole package. I mean, he's an NFL-caliber running back, and he's a guy that wants to make you miss in space. So rallying to the football on defense, making sure all, ten ha all 11 hats are run to the ball, and the guy that gets a shot – making sound fundamental tackles on him is going to be pivotal in getting him stopped. I was going to ask you that. So 151 rushing yards a game um, and then over 1,000 yards, 1,059, uh, which leads the country total rushing yards. And I was going to ask you, is he a Sunday, Sunday NFL running back? I think he is. You know, I think going into the year, there was question marks on him as far as did he have the durability, did he have the toughness, all of that. And I think a lot of that was just answered through these first few weeks which is how hard he is running the football you know I think that he needs some he does need some polish up in pass protection you know I think that if I'm looking through it from my scout eyes you know the pass protection hasn't been great for him he's more of a first second down back and you want to be more of an every down back in the NFL but his ability to finish runs and his ability to come in make guys miss is what's been missing from tape from last year to this year so I think he really has a chance to hear his name called in the draft this year um, and be a, a draft pick for a running back and I, saw, I just read a report that Josh McCray, the sophomore running back, is expected to play. He hasn't played since the, the season opener, so it could see that one-two punch there and, and take away some of the carries away from Chase Brown, so it's not just such a heavy load as he's been carrying it every single week. What about the quarterback, Tommy DeVito, transfers from Syracuse? It's, it's a lot of talk about Chase Brown, but he's been solid, too. Ten passing touchdowns, just two interceptions. Yeah, I mean, he's not asked to do a whole lot, so that helps. You know, when you have a running game that's doing as well as that is, you just really can keep yourself in really easy passing situations. You know, they're not asking him to drop back 50, 60 times a game. If he throws the ball 18 to 20 times, that's probably a career day for the kid. You know, so they're really relying on that run game. But what he's done a great job at is managing the games. You know, he's managing when to take his shots, when to use the play action to his advantage, when to get out of the pocket a little bit and stretch the defense. But the biggest thing is he just hasn't turned the football over. You know, if you don't turn the football over as a quarterback and you have a fantastic run game, you put yourself in position majority of the time in the fourth quarter to go win the football game. So, you know, he's done a really good job with that. He's going to continue to do a good job with that. With that being said, we've done a nice job the last few weeks of taking the football away. So we can stop, if we can get them stopped on first and second down and put him in third and long and make him throw the football away in a distance that he's not super comfortable with all the time, that's when I think we can maybe steal possession from these guys. You like the Illinois offensive line? They're okay. You know, <laughs> I, I think they're all right. There, there's a couple NFL players on there. Julian Pearl's one of them. Uh, their center's a young up-and-comer who might have a chance to show in the NFL. You know, so when you have two guys on the NFL that are – or two guys on your offensive line that are NFL potentials, that always helps. You know, but their scheme isn't fancy. Their scheme isn't something that – they're not trying to out-scheme anything. The thing that they do, and I respect out of their offensive line, is they're physical and they're tough. 
and they just run off the football. You know, it doesn't always look pretty. It doesn't always look great, but they're just going to continually run off the football over and over again and eventually try and make some holes. So do you think it's more credit than to Chase Brown, what he's been doing because of the missed tackles yes. and the yards after contact than it is what the offensive line is doing? Yeah, you know, I think that the offensive line is doing as much as they can, and then the special part and the speciality of what Chase Brown is doing with the ball in his hands is what makes it so special. You know, you think of a guy like Braylon Allen last year with Wisconsin. Like, that Wisconsin offensive line wasn't great last year, and all of a sudden Braylon Allen showed up, and I was like, oh, everyone's great again. You know, like having a special back can make a marginally to good offensive line look excellent. You know, so I think there's a little bit of that going on with it's a good offensive line, don't get me wrong, but they're not out there lighting the world on fire. But because of what Brown's able to do with the ball in his hands, they're looking pretty good. So how, you, you kind of talked about it a little bit, how do you contain Chase Brown? What's the key to that? You know, I think we're going to have to commit extra guys into the box to stop the run, you know, and I don't love that necessarily putting our DBs on islands. But like I said, when that's all they want to do, we have to commit to stop it, you know. So that means dropping safeties in the box. That means maybe playing Kalarvik and Ernest Hausman in a three-linebacker set sometimes if they want to line up in their big sets. And, you know, it's fun. You can say do all this, but at the end of the day, it's guys just winning up front one-on-one. -on -one. It's Ty Robinson. It's Nash Hutchmaker. It's Feast. It's those dudes winning their one-on-one -on -one matchups and being disruptive. You know, don't allow a new line of scrimmage to get set on your side of the football. You create the new line of scrimmage on their side of the football, right? I told you, you guys love to run off the football and just create new line of scrimmage. It's your job to get penetration and be disruptive and don't let these linemen double-team you up to the linebacker. You know, hold those guys up. And it's going to be a great test because our depth will be tested um, when a team that runs the football this much and has this much time of possession. You can't have a guy that just plays every snap. So you're going to see a lot of guys get in there, and I'd love to see coming off the bye week maybe who's made some strides, who's a young guy that's come out there and ready to contribute and ready to put good 10 to 15 plays on tape and do something to help this defense win. You know, so it's going to be really fun to see those guys go up there and do it. But, again, it's committing guys to the box, guys win their one-on-ones, and then you have to tackle. You just have to tackle. If you have an opportunity to get this guy on the ground, wrap him up, Drive your feet, see what you're hitting, and put them on the ground. It's kind of nice, I would think, as a player. You know what Illinois is going to try to do, right? I mean, mm -hmm. it's not like Purdue came in and, and they throw it around a lot and they went to the run game a lot there in that first half at, um, up there at Purdue. But you know what Illinois is going to try to do. It's a blessing and a curse because you're absolutely right. You're like, yeah, we know what you're going to do. But the problem is if you can't stop it, it's really, really hard. And I've, ha I've been in games where, like, we knew what this defense was going to do. We're like, they do this. And then all of a sudden, they're doing what you knew exactly what they were going to do, and they're still <laughs> beating you. And you're like, oh, crap, we knew this was going to happen. You know, but if you can have a game plan and execute a game plan to stop what they do and make them pivot, right, put yourself on the other side of that where Illinois is coming like, hey, this is what we do, and we're going to do it. And all of a sudden, two quarters in, they're like, this ain't working. And they now have to pivot at halftime and make the adjustments. That's where you want to be as a defense. So, yeah, it's great that we know what we're going to do. But at the end of the day, if you, even if you know what the play is being called, you still have to be able to walk up there and stop what they're doing. All right, we do this every week. But two players that have to have a good game, your players to watch. You know, Ty Robinson on defense is the guy that I'm going to be looking at because he has to be a disrupted force. He's come along in the last few weeks as being a lot better. Um, I think he's a guy that you have to make sure is having five or six tackles and maybe two or three TFLs in this game and putting pressure on the quarterback in the times that he can. But those guys in the middle are going to be the big ones on defense that have to show up. So I'm looking at Ty Robinson to have a big day on that end. And then I'm looking at Anthony Grant 
on the offensive side of the ball to have a big day. You know, I'm looking for this run game to get going so that we can try and flip that time of possession on Illinois and us control the tempo, us dictate the tempo of the game and not allow Illinois to run their offense, do their thing, and then the defense to come out and get rest and all that. I want Nebraska to take the run game to this team and really control the tempo for this entire game. All right, so three keys for a Husker victory. Yeah, number one is take care of the football. You know, this is a team that you can't allow to steal possessions on you. If you can take care of the football, you'll give yourself a chance. And uh, number two is, like I just said, getting the run game started for the Husker offense. You know, the passing game's been great, but when you do something as well as that, any good defensive coordinator that's worth their salt is going to take that away from you. I would expect them to try and take Trey Palmer away from us early in this football game. That means we've got to get to the run game and get those safeties to come back into the box for run support to allow Trey Palmer to open up on the outside. And then the last thing, I think special teams is going to be really important in this game, flipping the field position, you know, um, just continuing to make them go the distance and trying to get us better field position, you know, so we can get a long return in a punt or a kickoff return and give ourselves a short field against this stellar defense. That's awesome. But more importantly, make the Illinois offense go the long way, right? Don't give them a chance and punt it at the 40 or the 50, you know, pin them inside the 10, pin them inside the 20, make them go the distance against Memorial Stadium and that student section and the loud and the craziness that it is and just wait for them to make a mistake, you know? So those three things, I think if you can handle that, We'll give ourselves a chance to beat this team. I'm excited to see how they come up off the bye week again because, again, they look so good coming off the bye week into Indiana. And this is a team I talked to a lot of the players after the Purdue game. They're not done. They still absolutely no. believe, and they've rallied behind Mickey Joseph. So it's going to be, and with a number 17 team coming into town, it's got to be just absolutely encouraging and motivating for the team. I bet they can't wait to get back out on the field. Absolutely. I mean, anytime you have a ranked opponent coming in, it's a chance for you to test yourself. It's a chance for you to test who you are as a football team, as a program. You know, these are kind of statement wins that can get a whole season back on track. You know, you win this, you start talking about, well, we're right back in it in the West, right? And it's very true. So this is not a game that I think anyone thinks is unwinnable for the Huskers. I think that everyone thinks they have a shot because of how well they've played at times. We're still just finding ways to put everything together, right? Put it all together. Put the offense, the defense, the special teams, and all of them hitting on all cylinders. We can compete with anyone in the Big Ten West. All right, you got the bow out. Have you had the bow out yet? I went out, you know, one of my buddies shot a buck uh, to a week ago on Sunday when the weather was cold and, and nice. This 90 degrees and wind stuff can absolutely is for the birds. So I'm ready for cold weather. I'm ready to go shoot deer and ducks and geese in the face. So I'm very excited. You put out a tweet saying that the deer aren't around. My mom the, hit a massive deer on the road the other day. So they're out mm. in Texas. Yeah, you know, we need some water. The, 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 the drought around here is killing it. I mean, my property doesn't have much water on it. So I'm just hoping that I can get some deer and put a meat in the freezer because, man, beef's getting expensive. Hey, maybe one of these podcasts we should turn into a hunting podcast. Not that I would know, oh, but I could ask you some questions about it. Don't, don't tempt me with a good time. <laughs> don't tempt me with a good time. Oh, all right. Good stuff, as always. Um, you will be, you're not coming to this game, but the next game. You'll be here for yes. the next home game, Minnesota. You'll be in. Yep. Be on the field, so can't wait to see you. All right, well, that is going to do it for this edition of the Sideline Slice for Jeremiah Searles. I'm Jessica Cooney. Again, this uh, podcast is always brought to you by Valentino's Pizza, the official pizza of the Huskers. Thanks so much for listening. Go Big Red. Valentino's, a slice of home you just can't get anywhere else. What started with a treasured family recipe in Lincoln, Nebraska, has become a classic Italian tradition for 65 years.